Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, February 6, 2022. Today's passage will be Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, Jesus, the Great High Priest. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn into in your Bibles to Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to finish up chapter 4 today. Verses 14 to 16. <clears throat> this is really a summary of what is to come all the way up through chapter 10. Um, as... For all of these verses, I mean all of these chapters, 5 through 10, he will then explain the, the work of the Old Testament priests in the Old Testament, and we'll get into that. And so, today's sermon title is pretty simple, Jesus, the Great High Priest. And I think it will give us a good opportunity today as we take the Lord's Supper together. So before we begin, let's pray as we normally do. And then um, I'll read the text, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for the words that we sang about the Lord Jesus and about applying His, His great work to us that, that we come unto you. And uh, Father, we give thanks. Today, I pray that as we approach these words, that Jesus would be more beautiful to us. Give us eyes to, to see and ears to hear. Open our hearts, Father, that we might love You and love Your Son and love Your Word. And uh, Father, in spite of me, I pray that You would work greatly. And just help us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Verses four, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then... With confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we take communion today, our text gives us a beautiful opportunity to consider Jesus as our great high priest. And the author of Hebrews gives us two exhortations. First exhortation he gives to us, let us Hold fast our confession. That's in verse 14. Excuse me. Yeah, second part of verse 14. Then in verse 16, we find our second exhortation. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And as we look at those exhortations, the author gives us motivations for doing both of those. And the motivation for doing these things, for for holding fast our confession and drawing near with boldness is the person and work of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So that, that's, this is what this means for us today as we listen to this sermon. This means that our ability to continue down the road to heaven in this life as a Christian depends upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as we saw last week, apart from Him, we can do nothing. He is the, the vine and we are the branches. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. He is our source of life and our ability to do anything good comes from Christ. It comes from Him comes from His great power that works in us. And so as we eat and as we, as we drink uh, these physical elements this morning, as they nourish our bodies in the same way it pictures, Christ nourishes our soul and He gives us eternal life. And He helps us now. Therefore, we need this text this morning. It's good for us. So with this in mind, I have two parts only to the sermon. Very little applications because the, the Lord's Supper will be our application. There will be some there, but two parts to the sermon. Number one, we hold fast our confession as we consider the superiority of Christ's position as a high priest. Okay, so the first part, we hold fast our confession when we consider how superior Christ is. His greatness, where He is. And what he has done. So that's truth number one. Second part of the sermon, which is the second exhortation, we draw near with confidence to the throne of grace as we consider Christ's humiliation. So the first part is, is his superiority. That helps us make our confession and keep going down the road to heaven and confessing Christ. The second one, we consider his humiliation, his incarnation, his death. To us as we take the Lord's Supper. So, first truth, let me repeat that again. We hold fast our confession as we consider the superiority of Christ's position as high priest. So, the text basically is best translated as just hold fast your confession. Verse 14. But before looking at our motivation for a moment, um, let me just speak about what it means to make a right confession. So what does it mean when it says hold fast, like hold on to something, hold on to the ropes, you don't fall off, hold on to the confession that we have made. So we've already seen, if you look back in chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. And we'll see it again in chapter 10, verse 23. He'll say, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. So for us today, if, you're, if we're, you're here today, for the great majority of us, we are here today, we're gathering, we're singing, we're praying, we're reading, we're preaching, we're listening to the Bible because, why? Because we've made a confession. We call Jesus Lord. We have come to believe what the Bible says about Jesus, and we believe that it, is, that it is true. We believe that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. We believe these things. That's why we are here. And I would also say that it is, that, that it is not simply a confession with the mouth. 
And we've talked about this already in previous sermons, and we've talked about it often. But it is, it is not that someone merely repeats the words of Christ, says, I believe, and, <clears throat> and, and just that's all it is. It's just a confession of the mouth. To confess Him means also that our lives prove our confession. We do not recite empty words about Christ. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that, the, <clears throat> that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Well, in this verse, Paul is tying our confession with the heart. In other words, to make such a confession today is to believe what the Bible says about Christ, about Him, and to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that which follows such a confession is always over time. I'm not saying they're not, we can't backslide. I'm not saying we don't have bad days, times of where we, we know we disobey. But over a period of time, those who profess Christ in their heart, they believe that God has risen him from the dead, believe the gospel, our fruits will follow. You will know a true confession by fruit. Now, that's what it means to confess Christ briefly. So he says, hold on to that. Keep doing that. And so if you go back to our context in the, in the book of Letter to the Hebrews, we find that many of those, or those, those who were professing, confessing Christ, they had left Judaism behind. They left Mosaic Law and everything they'd been taught about the Old Testament, about the Bible, that they had in their hands, everything about their religion, their culture, everything. They left it. And they were moving on and saying, we believe, we confess. And when they did that, they were being persecuted by the Jewish community. And, 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 and the author was urging them to hold fast their confession. He says, hold on to the rope. And you climb up it and you're holding on. You don't want to let go. You will fall off. And so, the same exhortation is for us this morning. Press on. Press on, brothers and sisters. Life is hard. It is full of troubles. It is short. There is sickness. There's heartache. There's all kinds of issues that we face. There's issues we face this week. We face them from, from the world. There's sinful men and women in this world. There are persecutions that come our way, many difficulties that accompany our confession as we confess Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm reading, even at the moment, a history of the Puritans. I'm, starting in the, I'm back in the 16th century right now, moving just up to the 17th. And it's just amazing just to see those who followed the, the, Reforma the, the, the Reformers and how they were persecuted. And throughout history, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. So I say with Hebrews, and I say to us today, press on, brothers and sisters. Continue holding on to this confession. Hebrews 2, verse 1. You can look over there with me. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. From it. Chapter 2, verse 3. Do not neglect 
such a great salvation. This warning is for us today. And the author does not leave them or us without help as we make our confession. He says here in verse 14, Look to your great high priest. Look at who he is. Look at what he has done. And how great he is as our high priest. So in this way, we remember the superiority of Christ's position. And it isn't merely that being a a priest or being our priest, it's not just being a priest that makes him great. Jesus is superior because he is divine. And we've seen that in, in Hebrews. Think about this with me and think about some of these verses and his greatness and his superiority. Our text says, He is the Son of God, there in verse 14. Jesus, the Son of God. And He is not the Son of God by adoption, as we are today. He is the Son of God, and He is divine. And in His essence, He is the same as the Father. He is the same in essence, but He is the Son. And there's great mystery there, but our text tells us in His greatness, He is the heir of all things. It's chapter 1 verse 2. Through him all of the worlds were created. Chapter 1, that's also verse 2 of chapter 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Today, where does he sit? He sits, I mean, in language that we can understand, he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the preeminent Lord, as the text says, the firstborn of all creation. Chapter 1, verse 6, all of the angels worship Him. Chapter 1, verse 8, He sits on heaven's throne. And so we'll see later, we approach the throne where He sits. His years have no end. Chapter 1, verse 12. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, He is greater than Moses. Chapter 4, we've seen He is greater than Joshua. So He does not merely lead us to an earthly land, but He leads us into heaven to the very throne room of God. I can't imagine. And this is the one whom we confess. Look look also now at verse 14 again. I want to think about this statement for just a minute. He has gone through the heavens. What an amazing statement about our high priest. Think about the high priest, though, in the Old Testament times as a way of illustrating this and thinking about this. This high priest, there was one of them. After Mosaic Law, there was even one as we go back. But even from Mosaic Law, clearly, there was one of them. It was Moses and then Aaron, who was the great high priest. And so there was only one of them. And every year they would have the Day of Atonement. And what would this high priest do that once a year? Well, first, would walk into the temple, come up close to the temple, come into the outer court, and then the, this high priest would then pass through the holy place where, where all the sacrifices were, were taken to and performed. And then he would pass through the curtain, or once a year this, this high priest, this man, would go into the Holy of Holies. But you know what? This was only once a year. And it was only for a a moment. 
I'm not sure. Maybe you guys could tell me, study up on that and find out how long he was in there. I don't know. But he was in there for a moment. And then he would leave until the coming year. So he passed through all of these things. And I think that's sort of a picture I think the author is, is giving us. Because then he says, Jesus, though, has passed through where? The heavens. Now, the Jews often separated the heavens out into, into levels. As Paul said one time, he was called up into the, remember which heaven? The third heaven. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but that was in 2 Corinthians 12 too. But that's not the point here that he is making. I think the point here is that Jesus has passed to the highest, the highest of all places there can ever be. The very throne room of God. Where he sits forever in the position of the greatest superiority as our great high priest. Just this week, in fact, yesterday, I was reading during my quiet times, and I thought about, as I was thinking about this point, I was thinking about all the ways that God's priests, through the Old Testament, led the people of God year after year after year. And I, I went all the way back. Adam was, was, was a priest. I think particularly of Noah. What did Noah do? He led his family into the ark. Closed the door behind him. Right through the door. Right to safety. I think of Abraham and his growing family. Who served as a priest. And he led his people to a new place. To the land of Canaan. And particularly... I think of Moses, and he led the people where? Out of Egypt. And they came where? To the Red Sea. I just read that this week in my quiet time. And as Egypt's armies pursued, what did God do? God opened up the sea, and Moses led them where? Right through the midst of these waters to safety. And then, for 40 years in the desert, Moses continued to lead them on their way eventually to the land of Canaan. I think of Joshua, who eventually, he led them to the land of Canaan. I think of just some of the kings like Solomon and David that God used to lead His people in those days. I think of all the high priests under Mosaic law that led God's people, particularly on the Day of Atonement as we've shared in the, entering the Holy of Holies. But when we think about all of those priests in the Old Testament, let me ask, what do all these priests have in common? Well, they, they have a lot in common. But they, I'm thinking the thing they have in common is they lead God's people here on the earth. But none of them have passed through the heavens. Only our great high priest, the one we confess, brothers and sisters, has passed through the heavens. The Son of God. And only our great high priest, the Lord Jesus, can do this. Only the divine Son of God, the incarnate Son of Man, can lead us to heaven. All the other priests, they were of the earth. And their bodies, just like our bodies when we die, would turn to the dust. But the Lord Jesus conquered death. As all of His disciples looked on 
what did he do in the, in the first part of the book of Acts? He ascended back to heaven where he now sits. Therefore, this is our motivation, brothers and sisters. Hold fast your confession. Press on. We aren't merely entering into an ark. Or we're not going into the ark. We're not going into the land. We're not crossing the Red Sea. We aren't even going into a temple made with hands. Where are we going? We're going to heaven. And our great high priest sits there and he will lead us there. And that's where he sits now. So I say again to us, hold fast your confession. We have a great high priest, the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens. Today there is no one greater than the one that we confess. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Muslims, who do they, who do they confess? Well, they confess God, but what else do they say? They say that Muhammad is his prophet. But you know what? Muhammad has not passed through the heavens as a high priest. Our Buddhists and our Hindu friends, they believe in, in lesser gods. and so many gods we cannot count them. But none of those gods sit on heaven's throne as the Lord of all. But they are subject to other gods and to, to people in many ways. In Jesus' day, the Romans, they elevated Caesar to a god. Mormons confess Jesus but they do not confess Him as divine. But instead, they confess Him as a created being. Brothers and sisters, men and women of this world confess lots of things. And they give allegiance to many things and even to people. But today, as we come as Christians, only those who confess the Lord Jesus make a true confession. So with that in mind, let's, let's move on to truth number two. Our second exhortation before we take the Lord's Supper. Let us with confidence draw near. That's our next exhortation. Now so far, we've only spoke of Christ's greatness, His superiority, as, and His position as a high priest. But if we stop there and only consider His ascension and His position now in heaven, we will fall way short of God's revelation given to us about our great high priest. To only think of His greatness would not be enough. We would miss an essential element of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There must be more. As sinful men and women and children, as we are all sinners, we cannot ascend into the heavens merely because Jesus is great. On our own, we have absolutely no confidence. When I or any of us, when we consider our sins, if you consider your sins this week, and all the things you've done, whether you've been angry with someone, or whether you've committed some type of adultery in your heart, or whether you have, you've, you, you've been impatient with, with your spouse, or if you have thought evil about someone, or if you have not trusted the Lord in some way, whatever it is, and we just think about sins there, or even sins even this morning, often times through the years with those, and we're all at different places, 
those who have small kids, those who are married. There are a lot of things that happen in the house when you try to leave a lot of times, and a lot of times tempers and anger and things come out, and we get here and we really don't feel like listening. We can think about lots of things, but when we we think about our sin, all we can say when we consider the throne room of God where Jesus, our great high priest, sits, when we think of that, all we can say, I think of Isaiah, he saw the throne room of God, and he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And when he saw the holiness of God, what did he say? He said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, so far today, all we've done really is see the King. And that's all I've spoken about. But now we continue in our text with our motivation to draw near the throne with confidence. Look at verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a priest or a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here, our motivation to draw near with confidence is the work of our great high priest. Not his superior position right now, but his humiliation. Which is, when someone says to you, what does it mean that that Christ comes in humiliation? What does that mean to you? How do you understand me say that? Basically, what I mean When I talk about Christ's humiliation, I talk about His incarnation, taking on flesh, and then living this life, and then dying on the cross. That is His humiliation. And so that's what this verse, these verses are talking about now. I think of some other verses. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John 1.14. The angel of the Lord came to Joseph. And he says, this is Mary's husband, Joseph. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's Matthew 1.23. Philippians 2, verse 5 and following. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or or held on to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And then one day, everyone will proclaim His name to the glory of God the Father. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, for there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The humiliation of Christ 
really completes his greatness as our high priest. He had to take on flesh. And we're going to see that in the coming days. So I'm, I'm being very brief this morning. But he had to take on flesh. He had to lay down his life as a sacrifice on the cross. If he were to be an, an effective priest. And this is what he did. And the difference between us and him is this. Look at verse 15. Yet without sin. Let's go back to our Old Testament priests for a moment. From point number one. When the Old Testament priest went into the Holy of Holies, he went in as a sinful man. He took the blood of bulls and goats, which could never atone for, for sins. They were looking forward to Christ. But in obedience, by faith, he went in, and he did what God told him to do. And he looked forward, and they as a people looked forward, and they were always thinking, God, that should be us. But we're sinners. We should be on that altar, but take this animal for now in our place. And so they looked forward, though, to God's promise, which we know we look back upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus entered the Holy of Holies... He himself was the sacrifice. And God accepted him. Why did God accept his sacrifice? Because there was no sin. He was the, as John says, when he looked up, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only the blood of God's Lamb would be acceptable. And then... As the Son of God, He rose from the dead three days later. This is why in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we read, After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Father, the right hand of God. This is the part of His greatness that, as a high priest that affects us. Without His humiliation and death on the cross, He cannot be our priest. In order to pass through the heavens... As an effective priest, he had to come and die. So someone might say to you, why did Jesus come? What would you say? The world would give a lot of answers to that. But the answer is pretty simple. He came to die. That's what he came to do. He came to lay down his life in his humiliation. And this is what we remember today when we take the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. This is my body broken for you. And this is where our confidence comes into play. So let me, let's go back to our priests again. The Old Testament, when they were entering into the Holy of Holies. Do you think the Old Testament priest entered the Holy of Holies with confidence? What do you think? I hope you would say, absolutely not. I think the priest entered with fear and trembling to think that he was entering the place that God had established there in the temple, the Holy of Holies, where His presence was. I believe, and when you think about those priests, and you might say they had confidence in the promise of God to do 
in obedience. Of course we could say that. But it's just in and of themselves, they, they went in with fear and trembling. I think they probably thought back to, you remember Aaron's sons? Right from the beginning there in the Old Testament, when God was setting up Mosaic Law, they did something, they, they, I think that the Scripture says that they, they offered up unauthorized fire. They were disobedient to God's commands, and God killed both of them, Aaron's sons, just like that. So I think these priests going in, thinking, am I doing everything just right? They thought back to that. Or during David's time, there was a man named Uzzah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming he was a priest as he was carrying the, taking care of the things of God there. He reached out and touched the ark as it was shaking. Killed him. God killed him just like that. I'm, I imagine they were thinking back to that through the years after that time. They were, I think they were terrified as they entered. Well, what about us? If you are a Christian today, what about us? How do we enter? We enter with great confidence. Great confidence. Because there is no hindrance. Because of the cross, the wrath of God has been appeased. It is no longer laying upon us. His anger, God... An ang- a holy God is no longer angry at you if you are in Christ. No more. There is no more enmity. There is no more anger. The greatest of sinners who've been, who've been cleansed by the blood of Christ can now enter with confidence. I mean, just think about when you prayed, Christian, to this morning. Yeah, you come with great humility. And yet, there is fear and trembling as we pray. But, it's not the kind of fear and trembling that the priests, when they entered the Holy of Holies, because Christ has taken our sin upon Himself. And the anger and wrath of God has come down upon Him. This is when John says, we have an advocate and He is our propitiation. And so, God is no longer angry. So when I prayed this morning, I have a loving Father. Hear my prayers, and so do you. And not only is His anger taken away, your sins, that's the theological word expiation, it is taken away because of the person and work of Christ in His humiliation. Your sins today are thrown as far as the east is from the west. There is nothing that keeps you away from the throne of God's grace in Christ today as we take the Lord's Supper. So we come with great confidence. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10. This is the conclusion of this section, long section in Hebrews. Chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. This is what we remember, brothers and sisters, today as we take the Lord's Supper. So finally this morning, by just 
quick way of application. We don't merely have confidence. We also find mercy and grace in time of need. And that's what, <clears throat> that's what our verse tells us here. Look at verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then it goes, it goes back to verse 15 to help us understand that because we have one who understands our weaknesses. Because in every respect, he, he was tempted and tested as we are. So as we remember our Lord today in the Lord's Supper, especially His humiliation and His death, we remember that He was a man just like us. In every respect, He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And we find in Christ our great high priest, one who understands. He knows our frame. He knows the weaknesses of our flesh. He knows what it's like to be hungry, to be tired, to be disappointed, to be let down by our friends. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one to death. He knows what it's like to be tempted by Satan. Today, the Lord Jesus knows and He understands. And He sits on the throne of grace to help us in time of need. A lot I could say there, but it's always... There are different times of need, for sure, but it's always a time of need. With that in mind, let's turn our attention to the Lord's Supper. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove, to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.